You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com and the wonderful Sarah Langs, reporter, stats person, researcher, whatever we can call her. Uh, back for episode two of our version of the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Once again, thank you to Mike Petriello and Matt Myers for branching this out, allowing us to be part of the fun. And there is so much fun to talk about this week, which I cannot wait to get into. Sarah, are the Orioles like the best team in baseball right now? Somehow we have all stars. What, what is going on? I mean, just so much fun to go over. As you mentioned, the Orioles, we have so many all-stars. Shohei Otani, we told you last week we're going to talk about him every time. We're going to go two for two here. And, of course, we're going to bring you our favorite moments of the week, why we love baseball this week. And, by the way, I'm staring at... hmm, Five links open on my computer right now. I have not chosen what my moment is. It's going to be off the cuff because I started making a list on uh, Thursday last week and it got too long and I don't know what to pick. So that's how much we love baseball (laughs) every week and especially this week. I almost texted you right before this podcast saying, I don't know how I'm going to pick one moment because there were so many moments this week. I can't wait to get into it. But I think it's probably best that we start with the Orioles because what is going on? I think this is the most important thing to get into. And how fun are they to watch right now? They are so much fun. I want to give a shout out to one of my best friends from college. His name is JT. He is a huge Orioles fan. Part of how we became friends was being baseball fans which is, of course, how part of you and I became friends as well. Exactly. And it's such a wonderful thing about the sport, about sports in general, that it brings people together. He has been so excited, and I feel like I got in at the ground floor of this Orioles run because of him. Because when Adley came up and when he started playing better, He kept telling me, this team is winning games. They seem good. The bullpen is good. Is this real? And all of a sudden, here we are. They've won eight straight for the first time in a single season since 2005. And that was amazing to me because they had good runs under Buck Showalter with Adam Jones, that era, everything. This team was good, and they had not won this many consecutive games in a single season since 05. So I've just loved the energy with them. And I think across baseball, people kind of rally under underdogs, right? People love those kinds of stories. I think I woke up on Sunday to about seven. You know, you open Twitter and it gives you in case you missed it. Mm-hmm. Every single tweet was someone screenshotting the standings right now. <laughs> remember Andrew Simon, I remember Anthony Castrovens, but others too, all with basically the same screenshot. And there's just that collective awe, and I love to see it. I thought there was one stat um, that I was really impressed with whenever I saw that it, they had been 29 and 20 since May 19th. I mean, that was might have been before. No, that was last night. Um, But whenever they were doing that since two days after Rutschman got called up, I thought that was really impressive. I thought that was really fun. I think it was really cool to see how much a young guy can make an impact. And I know once he started playing better, of course, but um, I'm sort of watching that every single day with the Guardians because their roster is so ridiculously young. Uh, It's fun to see how young players can can play and can impact a team and so I think that's been enjoyable to watch Um, and I also think that it's been so much more fun because the players are so candid about the situation and I think that's like different than maybe most times that you have Um, you're so used to the cliche answers of like oh we always knew we had this in us and of course they're going to think that way it's not that they thought that they were going to be bad going into a year everyone's going to be optimistic but everyone always gives those canned answers that you're so used to and the fact that they're all like 
yeah, we have no idea what's going on right now, but this is a blast is my favorite part. I love how they're embracing this. Uh, and it's just been, it's been so fun for baseball because you see so many people talking about it because like you said, it's an underdog. No one expected this to happen. And anytime that you can have something strange happen in a sport that gets a large group of people talking about it, it can only be great. So I, I think that's been so much fun. It's been great. And as of when we're recording, they're just one game below low 500 which is crazy to me there has not been a division with all of its teams all five of its teams at or above 500 this late into a season since 2012 which was also the AL East on July 30th so right around the trade deadline which is fascinating but that's the last time this happened I feel like everyone is going to be asking that question whether the Orioles get there in their next game or if they lose and then win the next two. But it really feels like getting to that 500 mark will happen at some point this week, just mathematically. And that would be really cool to see. You know, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think that they should necessarily pivot to being buyers. And obviously that may affect how this team is doing if we talk about it in a month or so. But I think seeing run like this is really important for a fan base and for the players, as you were talking about, just to see what they're capable of. And so much of this is coming from young guys like Adley Rushman. So he will always remember this feeling. And this is the feeling that every baseball player wants. They just want it magnified times 10 in the middle of October. So the fact that he's getting a taste of that now, the fans are showing up. They had back-to-back, what was it? I saw a stat about them drawing at least maybe thirty or 35,000 in back-to-back games that weren't against the Red Sox or Yankees for the first time in, you know, like five or six years. And that tells you, I mean, people show up. People want to see exciting winning baseball, and it's great that they're able to give that to their fans right now. Absolutely. And I think that it's sort of maybe the same. I think that I saw the sort of same thing in Cleveland this year whenever they had their 17 and four stretch or whatever it was. All of a sudden we get back to the ballpark, which had been relatively empty this year. Um, They're struggling to fill the seats just because they had been struggling and are struggling. Um, But that stretch, all of a sudden the ballpark was packed and it shows that if there's just a little bit of excitement, people do come out. And I think it's so much fun to see that in Baltimore right now, a team that hasn't had that in so many years. I was an intern there in 2017, and that was the year where they went into it still having some expectation of being able to compete in the division. And all the wheels fell off the cart and everyone was like, what is going on with this team? And since then, they haven't really had much to be excited about. And so, like you said about the deadline, I don't think this completely is a 180 for this team where all of a sudden they're just this huge playoff contender. But it it is interesting to think about because it's starting to give a glimpse of the foundation that they are setting. It took them a long time to set it, but it seems like it's starting to finally come together where you can start to see those pillars popping up where this could be a solid foundation for them moving forward. So I, I don't know. You always hear Trey Mancini's name every single year. I don't know. Maybe they have to think twice about it now. Maybe they think a little bit more. I'm not really sure how this affects them, but all I know is that it's been really enjoyable to watch. It's been awesome. And, you know, we should give another team their due as well. So the Orioles are riding an A-game win streak. So are the Mariners. So these are two teams that began these win streaks well below 500. And this is the first time since 2006 that their concurrent eight-game win streaks or longer when both teams started those streaks at least five games below 500. So we say the Orioles are the hottest team in baseball. It's probably the Orioles and the Mariners, and I do think that's a perfect transition to our next topic here, which is Julio Rodriguez. We talked about him last year, last year, last week, and I didn't intend for him to also get the recurring segment treatment as Shohei Otani did, (laughs) and he won't, I promise, but we have to talk about him again. Have to. He was named 
an all-star on Sunday. He was named a reserve. He was playing in the game while it happened. They announced it over the loudspeaker. There was a really cool moment where the J-Rod squad, which is the uh, fans who sit out on center field, were all clapping for him. Everyone was clapping for him. He tipped his cap, and he sort of did a celebration, which was cooler to me than tipping the cap. I know tipping the cap is a classic baseball thing, but the celebratory dance was kind of like, not just thank you, but here we go, and I'm so excited. And he has been a joy to watch. We talked about this last week, and it is so well-deserved. And this is a team that has had some really good players being very young. He is the third Mariners guy to be an all-star at age 21 or younger with Ken Griffey Jr. and Alex Rodriguez. That is the company that he is in for a franchise that is really hot right now, has the longest active playoff drought, but the future is so bright with this guy. I mean, just going back to you talking about that announcement, could that be more of a definition of let the kids play? Because it's he is he embodies that slogan that Major League Baseball has tried to really represent its sport over the last few years as we've seen it get younger and younger with Soto, Acuna, you have these guys and it keeps going. And it's think it's it's so fun to see that baton continue to get passed. And now he's really embracing it. And how is it? How can you not root for someone like that? You see him steering into that skid. You have a a rookie who's already has the (laughs) J-Rod section. I mean, I love I love how he already has his little uh, group of fans out in the outfield. He has that. And you see him maybe making things lighthearted, making things fun. Uh, he tripped going into third base uh, in his huge game last week. Uh, I can't keep my day straight, but last week. And made like this. Um, okay, here's how you take visual into audio. But he made like this weird swimming motion into third as he was stumbling, trying to get there. He couldn't. I, you obviously can't swim through dirt, but he tried. And it was so funny the next day. They had this like drawn out chalk outline in the dirt of what his body would have looked like on impact all sprawled out. And they had it all taped off for him. And he went out wearing water wings representing his swim. It was so funny. And I think it takes a special type of person to be able to steer into that skid. And especially so young because they're trying so hard to make an impression. They're trying so hard to show that they belong here. And those moments can be so embarrassing and so difficult to overcome. And the fact that he just owned it, I think that just shows the confidence that he has, rightfully so. Uh, I don't think there's any arguing that he shouldn't have them. But it's also so much fun. It's so difficult to put into words how that attitude can really bring in a fan base. He can start getting people more interested in him. Uh, And it's just that self-deprecation humor that everyone always just finds so amusing. So I think he's just been absolutely great for baseball this season. And as you mentioned, he leaned into it. He bounced back after the game. By the way, that game ended at 2.30 Eastern time. So what, 11.30 in Seattle. He does his post game, whatever, gets home. Whatever time, all I know is I woke up on Saturday and saw that he had tweeted the swimming emoji and like a laughing emoji. (laughs) And just knowing that he does not care, he will happily own it. And that was a moment where when he did that, I was worried he was hurt initially. He was so angry with himself visibly. I think I texted you and said, J-Rod, no. And I was worried that he was hurt. And it turned out he was not. And he ended up having this amazing game, as you mentioned. So this was on Friday night. Later in the game, he ends up going 9.03 seconds first to home to score what was at the time a go-ahead run. That was the second fastest in the majors this year. So after a base running blunder, he comes out even faster, no tripping. And he had 99.6 mile an hour outfield assists. 
which was the fastest we've seen any Mariners player have under StatCast tracking, which goes back to 2015. It was the fourth fastest of the year. You don't need that context. 99.6 is fast. I don't need to tell you that's fast. No. But it was just outstanding to see that. And the next day treatment was so good. You know, Hunter Pence on the Apple TV broadcast was saying the chalk's going to be out tomorrow. And that's kind of a classic thing we know in baseball. When a guy messes up, usually it's like an outfield play. It's a very common thing to bring out chalk or tape and do that outline on the on the field wherever it happened. I remember guys doing it to Brandon Belt when he was a rookie and messed up a catch in a right field at Dodger Stadium, which is a fascinating place he was playing and uh and of course I don't think Pence was on the team yet but regardless uh this is a common thing that happens and I love that Hunter Pence was saying that and then here we go the next day we see the outline him in the water wings was just the icing on the cake I mean that is just the most incredible version of owning it not caring and knowing that you have this power over people I mean people see that and become baseball fans you don't need to know a whole lot about the stats I mentioned anything else but you see that this guy is very visibly having fun and you're like I want to have fun let me watch him play let me watch his team. Let me go to a game. And I think that that power is just so important. I think it, it adds a layer of difficulty to get somebody really on the national map because um, they're on the West Coast. And I think it's difficult. I mean, it's, it's hard to say that because it's not, it's not fair. It's not like it should be held against them. But when you have half the country sleeping whenever most of these big moments are happening, it's difficult to gain that stardom, that attention that he really deserves. Um, And so I think that putting him on the all-star roster as a rookie, I think that's going to be really great for his brand, really great for baseball to be able to show it, even if he's not like the MVP. You can't expect like these types of things. He can't come in and have this huge moment. But I think just having that recognition and having him there, uh, you have the broadcasters talking about him, everything that is involved with him, just allowing everyone who's watching this one game get to know what he is. I think that that's going to be really important. He could be the MVP of the game. Of course. If he gets a hit, he'd be the youngest guy to get a hit in the All-Star game since Mike Trout in 2012 when he was 20 years old. Mike Trout has won, what is it, either two or three All-Star game MVPs. He is the modern incarnation of the idea that the All-Star game was made for Willie Mays. And so you never know. A two-time All-Star MVP, I want to correct myself there. But you never know. And it's going to be so great to get him, as you said, on that national stage in a primetime hour. And for everyone to see this personality, I mean, I don't know what Fox's plans are for the game. But I'm pretty sure last year we got guys mic'd up. I think we had Liam Hendricks mic'd up, maybe. There were some guys mic'd up for sure during the game, talking to them. That's become such a hallmark of national broadcast this year. So who knows? Maybe we'll hear from him. I have no clue, but I certainly hope so. I'm hoping he does get in. I'm hoping he does get that hit and can join some fun company there. And that's only one little fun fact that we have about these all-stars that we have coming up. We have so much more. Let's get into all of the American League, National League, all these notes that we have now accumulated now that all the rosters have been announced this week. So excited for this to come up. Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we can get into the nitty gritty of all the little things you might not know about these All-Stars. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, the best researcher that is out there in the world, everyone all included. Yep, that's it. And she hates every compliment that I ever give her, so I'm going to do it every single time. Uh, <laughs> now we're going to be able to show off your talents because we have so many little fun facts. I see this whole list that you've put together. I wish I could claim that I have contributed to this, but I would be lying because you are the person to go to for all these types of things. I mean, there's so much that is is really neat about this year. We have brothers that are going to be in the All-Star game. We have, um, I mean, returning guys. We have first-year guys. We have rookies. Uh, was, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can really pick one, but do you have a favorite little fun fact going into this, this Midsummer Classic? You know, I think my overall favorite is going to be one about Mookie Betts and Giancarlo Stanton. So they're going to be the sixth and seventh players to start an All-Star game in the outfield for both leagues. They're going to join Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Ken Griffey Jr., Dave Winfield, Frank Robinson, and Jason Bay. This is an amazing list of Hall of Famers. And then Jason Bay, who was a good player for a while. You know, he made it for the Pirates in the NL and the Red Sox in the AL. But what a list. And these guys will be doing this for the first time. Mookie Betts, this is the first time he'll be on the All-Star team with the Dodgers. So in the National League. And Giancarlo Stan for the first time with the Yankees in the American League. And I think it's a really cool you know, way to show that these guys' careers have continued to be just as outstanding. After changing teams, these were both monumental trades. And of course, we expected them to join this list at some point, but I didn't even think to look into it until I saw Mookie made it. And then I was like, wait a minute, Giancarlo is doing this too. And I think it's really fun. I mean, Hall of Famers and then Jason Bay is a really, really good list to be joining. Yeah, I, I would say that's that's pretty good company anytime you see any of those types of names. But I mean, that's not the only stat that I see on here that you had talked about with outfielders and John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge. I'm not going to claim any of these as my own, so I'm going to force you to read it. Um, but John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge also get into some territory that I was sort of shocked to read. Yeah, I was totally shocked by this. So they're going to be starters in the outfield for the American League. This is the first time that two Yankee outfielders will be starting an All-Star game in the same year since Ricky Henderson and Dave Winfield in 1988. I was just shocked with the level of talent the Yankees have had, which permeates all positions. They hadn't had two outfielders in the same year be starters. I mean, you're also talking about a very motivated fan base. Starters, of course, come from fan voting. The fact that the fans had not voted in two of their outfielders until this year before 1988 astounded me. That's exactly why I wanted to bring it up so quickly because I, I, I legitimately could not believe that. When, you saw, when I saw 1988, like you said, it's a huge market. It's the one that when I cover a small market team, every fan base, uh, everyone I hear from on Twitter complains about because they have such a big fan base. And it's like, OK, of course, all the Yankees are going to get in every year. But you think about how long that's been. I mean, that's nearly coming up. All right. I can do math. I think I can do math. That's nearly I coming can. up on 40 years. Um, yeah, it's really, really impressive to think that that's been that long and you start looking back at the the other guys who have done it and you see some ridiculous names Reggie Jackson Dave Winfield Mickey Mantle I mean you start looking into this stuff that's some cool territory to get into for them Um, but to think you know they've had reserves they have so many all-stars every year but to only have these guys as starters for the first time in so long I think that's going to be a fun thing for them to be able to get into. 
Definitely. And I want to add, you're giving me too much credit. Never. Because you're saying all of these facts came from me. And they did. But you were the one to say, (laughs) can we talk about the Contreras brothers? And this is such a fun one. We have a fun fact, but this is also a why we love baseball kind of fact. So Wilson and William Contreras, Wilson of the Cubs, William Contreras of the Braves, they're actually both catchers, which is funny, Uh, but William was on the ballot as a DH. He finished second, but since Bryce Harper is injured, he is going to be starting as the designated hitter. Wilson Contreras won the fan vote at catcher. They're going to be just the fifth set of brothers to start an all-star game for the same league in the same year. So literally get a chance to be on the same team like they were growing up, playing in the backyard, anything else like that. So the last group to do it was 1991 and 92 in the American League, the Alamars. Before that, you have to go back to 1949 in the American League, Joe and Dom DiMaggio. 1947, NL Dixie and Harry Walker. And then 1942 and 43 in the NL, Mort and Walker Cooper. And I know you got a chance to talk to Sandy Alomar about that experience. But what did he have to say? I mean, you could tell just from the minute that I asked him that it meant so much to him and his family. I don't think people realize how much the All-Star break really means to a player's family. Um And you have to excuse me if you hear audio in the background because I am at the ballpark right now. So that is what happens. This is what we're doing here. But um, uh, yes, I mean, I just talked to him. I want to say I want to say I talked to him last week. And so he was going into the details of just how special it was. And it was cool to see his reaction because you could sort of feel like it was almost as if he was just in that moment. The emotion was still so raw for him of how special it was. He didn't realize that there was a chance this year for another set of brothers to be able to do it. I talked to him before it was announced. So I had just said, look, if this happens, how cool do you think it would be for them? And he's like, oh, wow, that would be they're going to love every minute that they have to do that. And I think, yes, they're on the same team. Um, Sandy had a chance to do that with his brother as well. Uh, But he also had a chance to play against his brother, and that was in his first All-Star game in 90. And that one, he said, that moment will never be top for him because in 90, they also, the coaching staff, asked his dad to be part of the coaching staff because both of the sons were there. And they made it a whole family event. And he joked, my mom was a little bit torn up about it because she didn't know who to root for because we were on opposing teams and she didn't really know what to do. Um, But he said just to have the whole family be part of that experience, like it gives me goosebumps to even think about it because how special would that be for them? It was so cool. And so he, he couldn't say it enough how special this will be for the Contreras brothers. I was getting goosebumps as you were telling the story. And then you own up to the same thing. Just amazing. I mean, as you mentioned, I don't know if people have enough of an understanding of, first of all, how much an all-star bid really means to these guys. Not everyone is going to win MVP or Cy Young in their careers. But, you know, something that you often hear said is that no one can take this away from you. You will always have been an all-star in your career. And I think that's something that can often come off as a little corny. But if you think about it, it's really true. I mean, they can always introduce you as former all-star, 2022 all-star. And the family part just puts it on another level. One of my favorite parts of All-Star Week and especially the Home Run Derby is seeing all the families, all the kids on the field, and just how much baseball means to not just the player, but everyone who interacts with them. So having a chance to play with your brother, and in that case to have their father, who of course was in baseball, being part of the coaching staff, I mean, I can't even imagine that. So I'm really excited to see what we get from the Contreras Brothers next week. We already had uh, the incidents where they played each other in Atlanta earlier this year. They exchanged the lineup cards, and I believe Wilson was crying, and he's talked about how much 
he put in and how much, you know, energy and effort they both put in to get to this point and coming from where they came from, everything else. I mean, it was just so incredible. And I'm sure there will be some great emotions on display with them starting that game on Tuesday. It's beyond emotional. And like, think about now we have so many extra things that go into the All-Star break. Think about the red carpet experience. I mean, each time that I've talked to different All-Stars about it, they get excited for that type of stuff because the the red carpet is not just them. That's their time to be able to walk it with their families. And then their families are going to be able to do it with two of All-Stars. And like that experience in itself is going to be super neat to see how they they handle it, how special it is for them to be able to take that moment as an entire family to recognize that two of them are there. I'm so excited for that. There's so many things to be excited for this break. Is there anything else that stood out to you going into this game? Um, I'll mention one more and then we'll get to Shohei Otani who kind of stands out in his own way and always. But Alejandro Kirk getting voted the starting catcher for the American League. It's so cool. I've talked about this before. He went from a guy who was kind of a cult hero to being a legitimate, really great catcher for a team that is competitive. He is a great hitter and he is so deserving of that all-star birth and of that start. He's just 23 years old. And, you know, the Blue Jays just called up their big catching prospect, Gabriel Moreno, so they've been splitting time. And I think people forget how young Kirk is because now he's on the roster with this even younger prospect. But at 23 years old, he's going to be the youngest starting catcher in an All-Star game since Pudge in 1995. And that just blew me away because there have been so many great catchers. You know, I'm thinking of Joe Maurer and Buster Posey off the top of my head. But so many good catchers who were good even from a young age, even from when they were first called up. Of course, we'll put Adley in that boat once we're looking back on his career in a few years or the beginning of it. But for Alejandro Kirk to be the youngest starting catcher in an All-Star game since the Hall of Famer Pudge Rodriguez in 1995, it just shows what a great spot this game is in right now. I mean, if you just think of the names we've talked about, None of these guys are particularly old, and that's no disrespect to special selections, Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pools, you know, even Clayton Kershaw, other guys who are certainly on the other side of 30. But there's such good young talent in the game right now. I think, I mean, you hear everyone keep talking about this catching position in the all-star voting it, everyone had focused on the American League not being the strongest candidates and not having too many people to really choose between. And it seems like the catching position had sort of flown under the radar. I don't want Kirk to fly under the radar because it's not like he was just selected by default. It's not because there wasn't really, oh, the guys weren't, the, like this, that position wasn't really that strong this year. I, his numbers deserve it. And I think at the time, I mean, as the time that we're recording this, he has uh, over a 300 batting average, 309. His OPS is 876. I don't want that to be overlooked because people keep saying, oh, well, it's not like it's the strongest. Maybe it's not. But regardless of his competition, his numbers make him the right decision to be there, regardless of who he was going against. And I think any catcher who would have their name in the same sentence as Pudge, I think that's definitely going to be something that hits home for him. Um, so it's exciting to see that. It's exciting to see guys getting their first time uh, in into an All-Star game. It's exciting to see rookies. It's exciting to see guys who have been there before. And someone who had set history last year and is doing it again this year, I think anyone who has the chance to play with Shohei Otani is going to be excited to be in in L.A. this year to be able to pick his brain, whether they want to pick it about hitting or pitching. There's only one guy that you can do that with, and he's going to be in the All-Star game to do both of those things again this year. For the second straight year, as you're alluding to, he was voted in as the starring DH, and then he was voted 
by his peers, by the other players, voted in as a pitcher. I mean, that is so impressive. He was the only guy to be on an all-star roster as a pitcher and a hitter last year. He's going to be doing the exact same thing this year. And you mentioned about how guys would be so excited to play with him. I'm thinking about what you said last week about how when you got a chance to go out to Anaheim, you were so excited to get to watch him play. I feel like we heard that so often last All-Star Week with Otani doing the Derby and then starting the All-Star Game on the mound. Everyone was so excited to see him because last year was really the year that he showed that he can do this and that that star, I mean, exploded all across, I mean, nationwide, worldwide, all across social media. And I remember at the All-Star game and just in Colorado, really feeling that everybody was kind of there to see Otani and everyone else is great. And people are there for so many different players. But the Otani show is just on another level. And I'm so excited that hopefully we'll get a chance to see him do both this year. I don't know what the plan will be um, in terms of having him do one, one inning, and then the other. But the fact that he's in there as a pitcher and a hitter, I'm sure Dusty Baker will find a way to make it work. And he's been insane lately. I mean, you know, I saw an article the other day think it was by Jay Jaffe at Fangraphs, and if it wasn't, uh, congrats, Jay, I just gave you some credit. Uh, but it was basically about how Otani's pitching has kind of surpassed his hitting now. And I think when he first came up, people thought that he was going to end up just a pitcher. You know, the pessimistic scouting, whatever you want to say, said that his pitching will hold up his bat won't and for the first few years it actually kind of felt like the opposite I mean he showed flashes of greatness pitching that splitter was insane but durability was an issue last year he comes out hits all of those home runs does both and this year he is but the offense isn't what it was but I mean in his last four starts his 40 strikeouts hasn't allowed an earned run the only guys to do that since Earn Runs became official are him, Max Scherzer, Chris Sale, Clayton Kershaw, R.A. Dickey, Johan Santana, Chan Ho Park, and someone who I learned about when researching this note named Ray Culp. But the point is, there are not a lot of people who have done that, and this guy is also an all-star DH. It's ridiculous. It's all ridiculous. And I, like you said, I think Dusty Baker is going to figure out how to get that done to get him in on both ends because what we have is is something really, really special. And I don't think that in this type of a setting, in the biggest event for eyes to see the biggest stars in baseball, I don't think there's any way that they can turn away from showcasing what Shohei Otani can do for baseball, what he is for baseball. Um, sort of like I said before about Julio Rodriguez, it's it's tough to always get some eyes on on West Coast players because they they play so late uh, for East Coast people who are falling asleep during the sixth inning. Um, it's difficult. I mean, it, he's clearly the biggest name in baseball, but he's not the same level of what you hear in other sports. It's not like he's as universally known as LeBron James or Tom Brady, but he means that to baseball. He is that in baseball. And so the more we can continue to get him on the national platform, something like this All-Star game, it'll be cool for him to be in L.A. I know it's the other team down the road, but it's still cool for him to be in L.A., um, and I think it's going to be just really, really important to continue to showcase this is wild. He just probably went up there and either had a double, a home run, whatever, showcasing what he can do at the plate. And then, oh, by the way, let's just have one of the best pitchers in the game right now go step on the rubber and, and be able to be even better, like you said, um, on, on the mound. And and, and I think it's, it's so ridiculously important that people – 
don't take this for granted to see him play. I, I know we just said it again. I was so excited for the chance to be able to watch him in person. It's going to be really, really cool to see him in an all-star game again. And I think it's, it's just so much fun for people to continue to learn about him and see what he can do. In his last start, he had 10-plus strikeouts, two RBIs, and stole base. No one had ever done that in a game before. There were five guys who had had 10 strikeouts, one RBI, and a stolen base. But to have multiple RBIs, to really be a hitter, which he is helping his team win that game, all of that. I mean, it's incredible that we are a year and a half into him hitting and pitching in the same game, right? Because he didn't do that before 2021. We are a year and a half in, and he is still finding ways, unintentionally, but just by being him, of rewriting (laughs) the record books. I mean, he's not standing there saying, hey, let me put together these three things so everyone will freak out. But that's what's happening, and it's just incredible. There's many reasons to freak out. We freak out about baseball, I think, what would you say, 20, 25 times a day, maybe? Um, the, At minimum. The times that we text each other back and forth about something, sending each other on Instagram something. Uh, yeah, so I think that he's one of the thousand. And as we sort of alluded to already, there were way too many from this past week for us to pick a single moment to freak out about. I know you're still trying to figure out which one you're going to be picking. So I'll give you a quick break. And when we come back, we can talk about which one was our favorite moment from this week. How's that? Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher for MLB.com. And we have so many things to really sift through our brains right now to try to come up with what our favorite moments were from this past week. I know each week on this podcast, we really want to highlight something that was special about baseball, whether it was on the field, off the field, just something that might not have been seen by so many eyes, but it's something that caught our attention and made us remember why we love this game so much. And with all of the all-star announcements, with all the fun things that happened in the game, there were so many. I think I, I think this might have been a record that I've seen of your Twitter feed saying baseball is the best, especially in like an hour time frame. It was really impressive. So I have no idea what you're about to say. We're trying to keep these apart. Although we send each other so many things, we want to be blindsided by which ones we pick. And I think you're going to blindside yourself right now with which one you're going to pick. So what, what do you have one that you de- finally determined? Yeah, I do. And it's not even one of the ones I have open and it wasn't in my doc. But you know what? I need to do this. So uh, yesterday, as of recording right now on Sunday, we got the All-Star Reserves. And something that happened on Twitter that I wasn't expecting that was incredible was that a bunch of teams posted videos of guys finding out they made the all-star team. Sometimes it was in a manager's office. Sometimes it was in a big group meeting in the clubhouse. We've seen this employed a couple times, uh, including this year when some of the top prospects got called up. 
we got video of Bobby Witt, Adley Rochman, and Julio, I believe, being told they've made it, and there have been others in the past. So these Team PRs, Team Social, I want to give a big shout-out to all of the teams that thought to embed a camera and do this. I kind of want to pick all of them, but that's not fair, so I'm going to go with two in particular, which came out from the Yankees. So they had three first-time All-Stars in Jose Trevino, Nestor Cortez, and Clay Holmes. And we got the video of each of them being told. And specifically, Nestor Cortez and Jose Trevino stood out to me. Trevino had so much emotion. He puts his face into his hands. Again, I'm trying to visually explain something. Go on Twitter, find this from at Yankees. He was so emotional. And this is a guy who got traded over and has gotten a chance to become a star with the Yankees. And Nestor Cortez, I really liked how Aaron Boone started. He said, do you remember that conversation we had at your locker in spring training. And he said, yeah, I, I think so. And the conversation had been there and Boone told him, you're going to be an all-star. This is in spring training. This wasn't announcing the news. This was him prognosticating based on how good Nestor had been at the end of last year and everything else. And he's like, guess what? Tell all of Hialeah that's where he's from in Florida. Tell them you're going to L.A. So I love those moments. And Aaron Boone did such a great job of communicating that news. And every manager did. Everything we got to see and everything we didn't, of course, I'm sure, was really well done. But if I'm picking a moment, I'm kind of cheating and taking those three of Clay Holmes and Nestor and Jose Trevino. What have you got? I know you say it's sort of cheating, but I'm proud of you for narrowing it down because I know how difficult that was for you. Um, I'm sort of going along those same lines. It's hard this week not to go with something like that. And um, the Guardians didn't post something. They didn't post a video of, of what happened. But I'm, I'm going to cheat myself and just pick the one that I had been able to be uh, a part of and be able to experience myself. I, the, the news of... of Learning that you're going to be an all-star is really cool to capture. And uh, Terry Francona, one of the best out there to do it, he was really, really cool with Andres Jimenez, who was somebody they expected. They The Guardians have three all-stars. They have Jose Ramirez, they have Emmanuel Classe, and Andres Jimenez. Classe and Jose were both expected because they are them and they were great. And although it's Classe's first time doing it, they were expecting him to get there this year. So there wasn't that much anticipation. Andre Semenez had great numbers. Everyone wanted him to get there from Cleveland, but they weren't really sure if he was going to. And so Tito had set it up where... He announced the first two, asked for a round of applause from the room, and everyone had clapped. They thought it was over. And then he said, wait, hold on one second. We have another one in Andres Jimenez, which was really, really neat. It was special for him. But that's not even the moment for me because what people don't understand is how much it does mean to these guys who are the fringe type of guys who are just trying to break into the league right now, trying to make a name for themselves. And it's their first time getting this type of recognition and this this accomplishment and how much it meant to them. We were talking to him after, right after he learned the news, and we said, have you been able to tell anyone? He's like, no, my phone's in my pocket. I'm talking to all you guys. And so we were like, okay, go ahead and go ahead and talk to people. And he did it right at the end of the dugout when we were down there. And to be able to witness that was really, really neat. Um, to be able to see him do that, to be able to see him talk to his I think it's his six-month-old son who he was really excited. Oh, my gosh. He he was able to sit there and say whatever he was saying. It was funny. You could hear, like, it was like a baby talk that he was on the phone with. But it was like he was so pumped to tell him. He called his mom. He called his wife. And to be able to witness that moment was really, really special. Um, he was... I don't want to say like in tears, but you could just see that that emotion on his face. And that was the moment for me, because there's people who have been there so many times that are there like 
even Jose was just like, yeah, I've been there. I'm excited, but I'm more excited for Class A and Jimenez because they're so pumped. And so the guys who have done it, it means something, but it starts to be less of a shock and less of an exciting experience. So for him to be able to witness him get his first one, to be able to witness him calling his family and hearing their excitement on the other end of the FaceTime and seeing the smile that was on his face for like an hour and a half straight while we were down there, that was the moment for me because that, that just no one really sees the behind the curtain of that and that was really really special and to that point I mean not to bring a stat back here but you know this is what I do there are 30 first timers this year unbelievable and that sounds like a lot but it's actually the fourth straight all-star game with at least 30 first timers really and I think that's amazing I mean that's the point You know what you're saying? Of course, Mike Trout, 10th time, yes, all all the time. Mike Trout is a perennial all-star, and he should be. But just showing how much good talent circulates through this game year after year, the fact that there's room for 30 first-timers and all of the returning stars who should be there in Stanton and Judge and Trout and Kershaw and so on and so forth, it's just really wonderful. And that's why I love, you know, the size of the rosters, the number of guys who are able to go. And, of course, we'll end up with a few more because we're still, as of this time, waiting to know who's named as another DH to the National League in place of Bryce Harper, who can't be active. And there's inevitably going to be some pitchers who are pitching on that Sunday and unable to go in the All-Star game on Tuesday. So, you know, the more the merrier is certainly what I think. And I love these moments. So I'm glad we both went with those. There was so much other great stuff that happened even between when we talked last week and now. But Sunday just blew it away for me. Obviously couldn't agree more because we both went with that route for our favorite moments. There were a lot. And I think there's going to be even more once we come back here after the All-Star break. I cannot wait to be able to have that experience. We'll both be there. We're going to have a great time. And then we can talk about all of it, all of it, our firsthand experience when we're there, when we come back next week again. Uh, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Uh, I think that this is going to be such a fun all-star break. I think it's going to be so much fun. We have brothers, we have first-timers, we have rookies, we have oh Shohei Otani, who's going to be the best of the best for a long time. So super excited for that. I think that's going to do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions for us at all, leave us a review and a rating. Thank you for listening once again to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, and we'll see you again next week.